You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update. This is Claire Stanley, the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist here at ACB. And I'm Clark Rockfall, the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. Thank you to everyone who's joining us over their favorite podcast player, as well as everyone who is joining us over ACB Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about ACB or become an ACB member, visit our website, acb.org. Great. Thanks, Clark. Um, So we'll definitely go over how you can get in contact with us to let us know about any issues you want us to be advocating for at the end. Um, But I think we'll go ahead and just jump in today to um, talk to our guest. I'm really excited. We have somebody who's been a member of the American Council of the Blind for some time and is um, leads the Missouri Council of the Blind. So um, I'll stop talking. I'll let you introduce yourself, Chris. All right. Very good. This is Chris Gray, Executive Director of the Missouri Council of the Blind. And uh, yeah, I've been in ACB for a long time, <clears throat> longer maybe than I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it's great to be here <clears throat> and I'm delighted to uh, uh, engage in the conversation we're about to have. But Claire, why don't you start off about the, the, the imperatives? Of course. Um, so you guys have probably heard us toss around the word imperatives a lot. Every year, ACB picks a few imperatives or really key topics that we see affecting or impacting the blind community, and we begin to start to find ways to address them, whether that be through legislation, litigation, um, going through different federal agencies. So um, we can talk more later about our three different imperatives, but today we're going to focus on one of those specific imperatives. Um, You've probably heard us talk about them on past episodes. We'll talk about them on future episodes. But the issue we're going to talk today about is durable medical equipment with a special emphasis on diabetes. So Chris can tell us way better than I can because he lives this on an everyday basis. But in a short nutshell, uh, many of the devices that persons use to read their blood sugar levels or then... um, treat their diabetes aren't accessible for people who are blind or visually impaired. Uh, And if they are um, accessible, they're very minimally accessible. So ACB is looking at ways to address these issues to benefit those who have diabetes in the blind world. So again, Chris, you can explain this far better than I can. So please give us, give us your story. Can you start with your personal story? Yeah, I'll take a shot at that. And uh, then we can kind of move into the the broader picture. But, you know, um, ACB really has been involved in this whole durable medical equipment issue for for a very long time. And uh, it started really with the resolution passed in 2002. And uh, I was president of ACB at that time and did some preliminary work to implement the resolution but maybe I should have done more. Be that as it may, in uh, January of 2003, I myself got diagnosed as a type two diabetic. Mm. And I wasn't real happy about that, but you know, um, there was some heredity involved and so it wasn't a total shock to me. I met a lady 
She was a diabetic educator. And boy, I can't say enough good about diabetic educators. The American Association of Diabetic Educators is a great organization. And they help a lot of blind folks. They really do. She uh, met up with me and she said, now you can do a lot to manage your diabetes. She said, I'm going to give you a talking blood glucose meter. And uh, you're going to be able to be accurate with your readings at least 70% of the time. Wow, 70% of the time. Now, who in their right mind measures their, their satisfaction with a medical diagnosis at 70%? Yeah, that doesn't Look, sound 98, 99%, 100%. <clears throat> so when she told me that, I was shocked, to tell you the truth. And I thought, you know, this, this just can't go on. You know, Chris, if you're a baseball player, 70%, that's a great batting average. But <laughs> when you're yeah. talking like life or death or serious mm -hmm. health-related issues and complications, that's, that's not something you want to bet on. No, it, it really isn't. And uh, so we went to work on it. We, we contacted a lot of manufacturers. And much to my surprise, the manufacturers just weren't interested in having a talking meter. Mm. Roche had one at the time that uh, I became diabetic, but within two years, it had been removed from the market and not replaced with, with a newer model. And uh, I thought for a long time, we had a great ally with a company called Therasense. Therasense, <clears throat> excuse me, ultimately got bought out by Abbott Diabetes Care. Okay. And they're makers of the freestyle line of meters. Mm -hmm. Bunch of free, there's a freestyle freedom, a freestyle advantage, a freestyle light, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I feel like I see commercials for those all the time now. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And I actually uh, left the dot-com world in 2007 and opened my own company. One of my goals was to work on accessible medical equipment. I got a grant from the National Science Foundation and working in conjunction <clears throat> with Abbott, created an accessible freestyle freedom, totally accessible. Everything from the date to the time, <clears throat> doing all your settings, uh, having it prompt you uh, when to put blood on the strip, letting you know when the strip was full, everything was there in that meter. And really, it wasn't that hard to do mm. in, in, in a, a technological sense. It did require a fair amount of work, but there was no huge rocket science in it. So they had an accessible meter back as far as 2009. And uh, it just irritates me to no end <clears throat> that all their subsequent releases and now the Freestyle Libre, a continuous glucose monitor, shows no evidence that they were really interested. Mm. Now, what, what, I, <clears throat> what I do know is that a lot of the engineers that I worked with and, and marketing people were very interested, but it's the management of the company where things get screwed up. In any event, you know, <clears throat> we have had that success, and, and uh, I'm happy to say that I started out as a type 2 diabetic on oral medication. I still am today, which is kind of a feat. And I know it's because I can take good measurements and keep good track 
of my blood glucose levels. It's a, it's a critical thing. Maybe part of it's luck, maybe part of it's life, but uh, the blood glucose meter is the first first weapon in your arsenal of defense against diabetes. And not to be able to access those readings is, is a really serious problem. So you said that you're in a great place as far as your health because you're able to use that tool. As somebody who's blind, what tool are you using or what is enabling you to be successful? <clears throat> I use the Freestyle Libre. Okay. And uh, the Freestyle Libre is... Uh, is a, is a continuous glucose monitor. I'm turning my cell phone off, sorry. Or trying to anyway. Um, it's great in that you never have to actually do a test by putting blood on a strip. Mm -hmm. it, it's a revolutionary kind of meter. Instead, <clears throat> you put a sensor on the back of your arm and the sensor communicates with a reader, which can either be a, a device, Abbott, or it can be your cell phone. And you can take a reading whenever you want. If you want to know what your blood sugar is every two minutes, which is a little obsessive, <laughs> you can do that. And <clears throat> to be able to not have to do a blood test and make that happen is, is just really significant. Now you talked about that you can do it with a device or you can do it with your smartphone. Yes. Currently, is the device accessible for people who are blind or visually impaired? No, it is not. Okay. In, in, in no way, shape, or form. It, it, uh, it doesn't even uh, have you know, different kinds of beeps for mm -hmm. different kinds of, of situations. So if I... If I uh, was diagnosed with diabetes and I went out to use this, uh, this device, I would have to have access to a smartphone. Pretty much. Well, there, there's, there is one way you can get access to information on the Abbott supplied reader. And mm -hmm. that is by hooking it up to your computer. Oh, okay. Dumping the log of the meter into a file and then reading the log. Oh, okay. Um, that does work. It, it's a little tedious. Mm -hmm. uh, it's great in that it can tell you, if it was your reading you're looking at or just one of the automatic readings that the, the reader itself takes, that can be good to know. And I, I learned something which is kind of incidental to the overall conversation, but I'll just mention it here because it's, it's so valuable to be able to have lots and lots of readings. And I discovered that at night, my blood glucose level sometimes dips way low like around 55 or 60. And for whatever reason, just kind of comes back on its own. Mm. So you, you could consider that the potential for a hypo, hypoglycemic event. But um, anyway, it's never bothered me, but it's interesting. And it's good for a person to know their whole profile as a person with diabetes. So, Chris, when you use your smartphone, do you have access to all of that information as well? Not exactly. No, there's a lot of information you can't access with a smartphone. And, and uh, if you're using a smartphone and not a reader, the smartphone doesn't collect information on a two-minute basis like the reader does. 
It only collects it when you ask for it. So that's a slight disadvantage of the smartphone. But a great advantage of it is that you can, you know, have it do a reading whenever you want and you can actually hear the results and not have to ask a friend or turn to a, a nearby pedestrian or something and have them give you a reading. Now, I'm not shy myself, so it actually doesn't bother me to ask a stranger, but many people it does. And you know, you shouldn't have to, really. The exactly. truth is you shouldn't have to. But if you were just using your cell phone, you would not have that historical record to show you that your blood sugar level is dropping into yeah. the yeah. 60s overnight either, correct? That, that's correct. <clears throat> and in large part, the cell phone apps rely a lot on graphs and, mm -hmm. and uh, visuals to provide this information. And those are not accessible to iPhone or Android users. And some of the other things you can do with the app, like keep track of your meals, keep track of your, your carb counts and so forth, apparently also can't be done uh, oh, interesting. With, with, with the phones. Yeah, I think in the app, but the app is, is not fully accessible. Gotcha. I think, Chris, I think Clark and I are, are kind of asking these questions to get at the fact from our understanding. Uh, get at the fact that from what we're understanding, there are a lot of limitations to what people who are blind or visually impaired can do. Uh, with you know this device and with other devices that people can never have full 100% access to everything that a sighted individual could have you kind of like you know pick and choose and find different ways um, to do things so um, that's something we we're hoping at ACB to see that you know out of the box you can get something that you have access to 100% what any other individual has access to you're exactly right and you know out of the box access we used to talk about that in terms of cell phones because you couldn't do that on cell phones either. Well, look how far we've come with cell phones. Yeah, yeah. And the truth is we can come that far with durable medical equipment. There's just no reason in the world why we don't have a series of, of accessible blood glucose meters and continuous glucose monitors and even insulin pumps. There's no reason for it at all. And the fact that it hasn't happened and the fact that you know, I am one case of probably with others that we don't know about who showed Abbott as one company how to do it and they just never did, tells me it's not going to happen without some serious, serious advocacy work from the blind community to make it happen. Just like cell phones didn't happen <clears throat> by themselves. Audio description didn't happen by itself. In fact, oof, what a long uphill battle that was for years. <laughs> and, uh, that's where we're at. We're at the beginning of this uphill climb. I'm sorry to say that we've been at the beginning of it since 2002. We believed off and on for various reasons we were making progress. But here we are in 2019, 17 years later. And in terms of accessibility, we have nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. That's got to change. Yeah, agree. And that's part of my vision for why we're why we're involved in this project. Chris, can you speak to any other devices? Obviously, as somebody with diabetes, this is your this is your area of expertise. But I know something that um, we've seen as we've looked deeper into this topic is that 
it's a brand new frontier in 2019. Um, I don't know how accurate this is, so if I'm wrong, please let us know. But somebody had called in and talked about even having personal dialysis machines at home now and just every toy you can imagine in 2019. But not surprisingly, 99.99% of them um, aren't accessible for people who are blind. Mm -hmm. So have in, in your advocacy work, have you talked about other medical devices as well? Yes, yes, I sure have. In fact, uh, it, back when I was focusing a lot of my time and activity to Bay Area Digital, I created the first talking oximeter that ever existed. That's the thing that measures your heart rate. Oh, okay. You put it on your finger in the doctor's office and mm -hmm. athletes use it a fair amount and so forth. Uh, having them access, uh, an accessible oximeter today is not a big deal. <clears throat> in 2008 and nine, it was a, a lot bigger deal, but Still, that's another kind of equipment. I also developed the first asthma monitor, and uh, I've never had asthma, so I'm not really even an expert today, but there's lots of things that need measuring if you do have asthma, and there are home monitors out there that can do it. How forcefully you can breathe, how much air you can press out, how much air you can breathe in. There's four or five other measurements. And if you're, if you're a person with severe asthma, you must know what those are. Yeah. <clears throat> no, today, there, you know, there's no uh, uptake from the spirometer asthma monitor companies in creating something accessible on their own. Mm. Um, there are devices out there that can measure um, cholesterol. Some people have cholesterol issues and, and, uh, so they, they could benefit greatly from that, but there's none that talk. There has not, although there may now be, I'm just investigating it now, so I don't want to say too much, but we've never had a really accurate blood pressure meter mm -hmm. that's accessible. Looks like there might be one available uh, that's, that's uh, phone-based. Oh, okay. iPhone and Android-based, I'm looking at it. It looks really good, but I can't say for sure just yet. And there's other stuff, you know, uh, I think Clark, you wrote me a week or two ago to see if I had any knowledge of an accessible CPAP machine or, or a, a BPAP machine. And I don't, I don't believe there is one because I've looked and uh, home kidney dialysis machines are maybe not commonplace yet, but they're getting there. They really are. And we need access to these. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other products that I'm not thinking about right now that, that will be important or that are coming down the road. And we're way behind in, in all those areas. So Chris, it, on this frontier of accessible, durable medical equipment, uh, one of the reasons that the ACB is focusing so heavily on the equipment for managing and monitoring diabetes it's because unfortunately you're in very good company. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <coughs> you know, there's an yeah. awful lot of blind people with diabetes out there. Yeah. Uh, leading cause of blindness for working age adults in yep. America. Yep, um, that's right. So this and is an uh, epidemic in the whole country. Absolutely. You know, my blindness is not uh, diabetes related. Uh, even though it's, it, as you say, it, it's the leading cause of blindness, but how many, how many, people does that encompass? We don't know for sure, but no doubt about it. It's millions. Mm -hmm. 
looking yeah. at 2008 and 2009 statistics, at that time, there were over 3 million people with the, who were totally blind and the blindness was caused from diabetes. That's a shocking statistic. Yeah, just it seems so ironic that medical companies would not be honing in on the fact that if we make these um, items accessible, maybe we can cut down on the level of you know sight loss that people are experiencing because they can then better manage their their condition and things like that. So it's a an ironic connection. There. Yeah. Well, you know, in two thousand five, the chief of engineering at Abbott Diabetes Care and I were talking about this whole issue, and he said, you know, we we in this company have as our goal. And, and we're just about there to sell uh, 900,000 blood glucose meters a day. Wow. So from that perspective, blindness is, is uh, not so significant. But we have to change the mindset of those who manage Abbott and the other companies in, in, in these areas. And, and let them know that it's still important for them to do. It's the right thing to do. And it's very, very doable. There's no rocket science behind this. It just needs to be engineered and put forward. Mm. Now, <clears throat> they, they'll tell you that the FDA will cost them millions of dollars and they won't be able to get things approved by the FDA for the next four years and so forth. Well, the FDA is another piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. We have to be going to them. We have to be communicating with the uh, uh, CMS, your, your Medicare and Medicaid services organization. They can help. If we could create the right kind of partnerships through ACB between you know, CMS and FDA and the manufacturers of durable medical equipment, for diabetes and, and even for other other things. I think we could get this job done, mm. but it's gonna be a little while. <laughs> it's gonna, gonna be an uphill battle for a little bit, I'm afraid, but that's all right. Uh, ACB has been there before and we've succeeded and, and we'll succeed this time too. I really believe that. Mm. And that's, uh, that's great that you bring up working with these agencies um, through Health and Human Services, through HHS. Um, we can tell uh, our ACB members that we really believe here in the national office that we should look at this issue from all kinds of perspectives. So we're definitely looking at it through, you know, through the agencies, but we're looking at it through potentially legislation. We talked about that at the legislative seminar. Um, perhaps looking at it through litigation, that's still an idea being potentially tossed around. So we definitely want to assess the, the situation through many different lenses and see what might work. And maybe we'll come at it from different angles. So uh, sure. we realize how important it is to look at it through many different um, angles. It's all fair game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well put. <laughs> and Chris, you will be at the ACB annual convention in Rochester this summer. I certainly plan to be. Yeah. And I got my train ticket, taking the train all the way from St. Louis to Rochester and looking forward to it. Oh, wow. Nice. 
Mm. And I know that we've got some diabetes and durable medical equipment related events going on there as well. Right. Okay. So we're, we're glad that you will be in attendance to, to help educate the members on this issue even further. Sure. In fact, if you don't mind, Clark, keep me posted about the things that you know that are going on. Obviously, ACB Diabetics in Action is going to be talking about this and so forth. But if there are other areas, other parts of the program or groups that are working on this, I'd love to help out. Chris, you just mentioned uh, di uh, Diabetes in Action. Um, do you mind making a quick, a quick plug for that um, special interest affiliate we have? Tell people what it's all about and who they are. Sure. ACB Diabetics in Action is a special interest group that was formed in the early 2000s and uh, chartered by ACB. I forget what year exactly, maybe 2005 or something. Anyway, it's a group of people who are interested in creating uh, positive situations for people with diabetes. You don't need to be a person with diabetes to be a member, uh, but you probably need to have a little bit of interest in all that. We have uh, a, a grant program where we'll try and help someone if they can't afford to get a meter mm. on their own or if they need uh, diabetic shoes or something which which they can't afford we advocate for things like accessible blood glucose meters and insulin pumps and uh, we provide a forum that allows people just to talk about their their health issues their concerns uh, to support one another and uh, that's uh, acb-diabetics at uh, groups.io, I think. No, 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 that's not right. I take that all back. ACB-diabetics at lists.mobline.org. That's great. I can also tell um, everybody um, you can easily find it at acb.org. You can just go to the affiliates link and it'll be there. And as always, if you have questions, you can contact Clark or myself. We, we can uh, can help you find it. So, Chris, thank you so much for talking with us today. We uh, really appreciate it. And this has been uh, really helpful information. Well, good. Thanks very much. I'm, I'm delighted to be here and really appreciate the opportunity to educate people on, on these issues. Yeah, it's, it's a really important issue. And um, as we were talking about earlier, you know, s studies have shown diabetes is only going to grow over the next several years. So yes. we need to, need to be looking at it. Um, well, like we always talk about here, if you guys have issues that you want us to know about in the national office that we can look into and advocate for, you can always contact Clark and myself at advocacy at acb.org. Again, that's advocacy at acb.org, or just give us a phone call here. Um, we're here to um, listen to what issues are going on and see how we might be able to help. Um, if you are interested in becoming a member, like Clark talked about at the beginning, also check us out at acb.org and all the information is there. We'd love to have you join us. And please stay tuned to our next episode of ACB Advocacy Update. And like we always say, keep advocating. Mm -hmm.